The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Daf Mem Zayin. Today's daf is being studied the Ayin Shmat Abraham ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied for the Aslaha and for the Shemira of the Hayalei Israel Bayabasha Baviru Bayam and Toshave Eris Israel that Hakadosh Baruch Hu should protect them from our enemies and Bezat Hashem Sim Shalom Ba'ares Ubalis Yon Goel Amen Amen. We begin today the fifth Perek. <coughs> the name of the Perek is Hotsi Ulo, and we start with the first Mishnah right on Memzayin Amud Rishon on the top line. Hotsi Ulo Et Hakaf Ve'et Mahta. We continue discussing the order of the day of Yom Kippurim. In our last Mishnah, we discussed the Ketoret. So now our Mishnah continues on the order of the Ketoret. So it says, Hotsi Ulo Et Hakaf. So they would bring out for him from a place called the Shkata Kelim. They would bring for the Kohen Gadol a kaf, which is a ladle. Ve'et mahta, and a shovel. Now even though we talked about a shovel of coals in the previous Mishnah, the Gemara is going to tell us that this shovel is actually referring to a shovel of Ketoret that they would get from Bet Abtinas. Not to be confused with the other shovel that we talked, which was coals from uh, the Mizbeach in order to burn the Ketoret. So again, they bring him an empty ladle, or Tzi'ulo et ha-kaf, mahta, and a shovel filled with Ketoret. Hafan melo hofnav. So then he takes uh, a handful, or actually two handfuls, scoops his hands into the shovel, and he takes out the Ketoret. Venatan letoch hakaf. And he pours it into the ladle. So again, it's going from the mahta into the ladle. All depends on the size of the hands of the Kohen Gadol. There is no set measurement on the hafina, on the scooping. If he has big hands, then that's the shi'ur. If he has small hands, it's, that is the shi'ur. midata. And that was its measurement. The Gemara will explain what these words mean, and that was its measurement. He carries the mahta uh, of coals in his right hand, and he carries the ladle that has in it the ketoret in his left hand. Anybody just wants to get a visual, even though I think it's quite explicit, you see in your picture books in 91, you see they're showing you the Shkat Bet Aptinas. That's where they would get the Ketoret. That's the Aptinas family like we learned. And they would bring it in a Mahta, in a shovel. And then uh, the Kohen would take a scoop in his hands and pour it into the ladle. Okay, so it was going from the Mahta to the Kaf. Okay, and then when he would walk into the Kodesh Kodeshim, so you see him carrying the coals, Mahta in his right hand. And you see carrying the ladle in his left hand. Again, as he walks up, right, he picks up the he picks up the machta, which was the robe that it be right, as he walks into the Kodesh Kodashim. And now the Gemara uh, explains. Kav's Gemara says, Mahta, you told me that the Kohen takes a shovel. Tanale, we learned already. Natal Mahta, he took a shovel. 
and he goes up to the Mizbeah, and he shovels the coals, so what are you talking about? He has a shovel already. What shovel are we talking about in this Mishnah? The last Mishnah, we're talking about the shovel of the coals. Here we're talking about the shovel that was filled with the Ketoret. Because we have a Braita. They would take out for him an empty ladle from an area called the Shkata Kelim, and a shovel with a heaping pile of Ketoret in it, from the offices of Bet Abtinas, who were in charge of making the Ketoret. So we say he takes a handful or hands full of the ketoret v'noten letocha kaf, and he places it in the ladle. Hagadol lefi godlo v'akatan lefi kotno, all depending on the size of the kohen gadol's hands. V'kakaita midata comes Gabran asks kaf biyom ekipurim lamali, which is what's the purpose of having the ladle? Lamali melo chofnav vevi amarachmana. The Torah just says, Melochofnav, fill his uh, hands with ketoret, vevi, and bring it. Why do you have to empty it from his hands into a ladle? The Torah doesn't say anything about a, a calf, it says it has to be Melochofnav. So therefore, it's each bring it in with his hands. Because you have no options, it's not possible. Why? How is he going to do it? Ve'adar ne'ayil If you're going to say like this Let him bring in the uh, ketoret first With his hands And then let him go back out And bring in the shovel with the uh, coals Right? Let him do it at two separate times The Torah says ve'hevi once Meaning it has to be one bringing. Simultaneously you have to bring the ketoret with the coals. So it's no option to go in and out twice. So the pasuk, right, the pasuk actually says it by Yikrat Tetzayin. Velakach. Shvidi. Velakach meloa mahta. Gahaleesh ma'ala mezbeach umlo chofnav ketoret. So therefore you see it's one hava'ah. So the Gemara says we have another option. Nishkele liktoret bechofnav. Let him take the ketoret in his hands. Venachtel mahta ala. Let somebody, another kohen, place the shovel of the uh, coals on top of it, which means as if he's holding the ketoret like this, and then put the shovel across his hands like this, so he's carrying it both inside. So the Gemara says that's not an option either. Vidiyon and let him go in. Kibbara says, why? Once he gets into the Kodesh Kodashim now, what is he going to do? How can he take the Mahta off? Now his hands have ketoret in it. So what's the option? Let him take it with his teeth? Let him, you know, remove the Mahta from his hands with his teeth? And let him put down the Mahta? Kibbara says, that's not an option. That wouldn't be proper formality or etiquette to do it in front of a human king. To go start with your teeth, start lifting up the holy vessels. So if in front of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, in the Kodesh Kodesh Shina, you're going to start to lift off the Mahta with your teeth, that would not be a, an option. So Kibbara says, Hilkach, Lo Eshar, so there's no option. So since we have no options, we follow a precedent that we saw in the Torah by the Nisi'im. When the Nisi'im brought their inaugural Korban at the time of Hanukkah HaMishkan, the Pasuk says, Kaf Ahat Asara Zahav Ketoret. So we see in the Torah that there was a Ketoret that was placed in ladles, so therefore the uh, Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur uses a ladle. What does that help him? Now he can hold it in one hand and he can hold the Mahta in the other hand. He can go in at one time into the Kodesh Kodeshim. Comes the Gemara and says, Natal et ha-Mahta b'yamin v'tadaka p'smol. 
the shovel that has the coals is in the right hand, and the ketoret is in the left. Now, seemingly, the ketoret is more hashuv than the coals. The coals are just a hechsher uh, in order to burn it. So seemingly, you should put the more hashuv item in the right hand. So the Gebara says, Yassiva be'ara de'giura b'shmesh ma'ya. This is a, a term the Gebara uses many times, which literally means the citizen is down on the earth. Be'giura and the alien is in the heavens, which means normally the citizen has more rights than the alien. Here you're doing the opposite. The citizen is down, and you put the alien all the way up, which means you're giving more precedence to the coals than you're giving to the ketoret. You put the ketoret in the left hand, where you put the coals in the right hand, it's a topsy-turvy, it's upside, it's, uh, it's reverse order. So the Gemara says, no, we have a reason. Zu merubah vizu muretet. We're going according to the weight, which means the weight of the coals were heavier than the weight of the ketoret. And again, we're always concerned about the Kohen Gadol doing it in the easiest way, so it would be easier for him to use his stronger hand, which is the right, in carrying the coals, and putting the lighter weight in his left hand. So Gebra says, mm-hmm. Then the Gebra goes even further. And even in a case where both the weight of the Ketoret and the weight of the coals are equal. Meaning, let's say you have a Kohen that has giant hands, and therefore when he takes a, uh, you know, two palmfuls of his uh, Ketoret, it's the same shiur as the uh, coals. Still, they kept it in the same formation, right hand coals. As she says, Afilu bizmam sheshneim shavin kohen shechofnav gedolim vechofan shloshet kabin. That's got to be three kav. Because that was the shoot of the coals, as we learned. Afilu ake kevan de berov koanim gedolim gehalim mirubim mehofnav notel kaf besmol. So that she gives the reason that we don't want to change from the normal order. Since the majority of cases the coals are going to be heavier, so even in a case where it's equal, you still put the coals in the right end and the ketoret um, in the left end. Comes the Gemara and says, Like the story of a Kohen by the name of Rabbi Ishmael, the son of Kimhit. Kimhit was his mother. Gemara is going to tell us why they give us his mother's name and not his father's name. So, and the Hakamim Gemara is going to tell us as well that he had very large hands. And the ketoret was actually heavier. He was able to take four kav of ketoret, while the coals were only three kav. And still the Gebara says, the right hand takes the ketoret, the, the gehalim. So the question is why? We're now giving you a new item. Not only when they're equal, but even you tell me if it's uh, heavier, still you put the coals on the right hand. Why? So the Gebara says, the reason... This is hot and this is cold. Now again, from Rashi, it's Masmai did not have this Girsa over here, like the Bach points out. But in our text we do have it, so we interpret it as follows. The coals are hot. And therefore, we want him to have a better handle on the coals than on the Ketoret, which is cold. That therefore he has more control in his right hand in order that he will not uh, get burnt or something will happen. So therefore even in a case where it's heavier, the Gemara is saying still you would put the coals in the right hand and the ketoret uh, in the left hand. That would be the Gersa Zuhama Vezu Sonene. Comes the Gemara and says... They said regarding this Kohen, called the that his hands were able to cup four kav of ketoret. And he would say about himself, all the ladies zardu. We'll see what that word zardu means in a minute. 
But the zered of my mother is the best. It's on the roof, meaning it's the best zered. What was he referring to? So the Gemara gives two options. Either he was referring to cereal, which means they used to feed the sick people cereal made out of grains, specifically wheat. They would also feed the pregnant ladies cereals made out of wheat in order to give them strength, in order to give the baby strength. So what he was saying was, all the ladies eat the cereals. But the cereal that my mother ate, that was the best. Because look, he came out uh, strong and healthy and big. Arsan. Arsan is wheat. If you remember, we learned the Masechet Berachot that is grinded into five pots. The Gemara Berachot in the sixth pedic discussed cracked wheat. Uh, cracked into two, cracked into three, cracked into four and five. Now she reminds us of that. If you look at the Rashi, Ika de Amre. Hai Zered, this Zered that Rabbi Ishmael was referring to, Be'arsan Kawa, the cereal. Be'afeu lechole, Be'setam nashim me'ubbarot, And stam, ladies that are pregnant, Cholot, they're sick. Ve'ochlot, Bach takes out the word uh, Zarid. Ve'ochlot, Zaini Eds, That's it. Be'arsan shehen minem ma'achal hikin. It's a type of wheat, like a porridge. What is That's cracked wheat. That's how we say the arsan is cracked wheat, you know, grind uh, finely into five. All the ladies, they prepared for them this cereal made out of wheat. But the one for my mother, that already was the best one. Now some have a different interpretation of what he was referring to. He was referring to the Shekvazera that he conceived from. Let's just understand how it works. When the man puts the zera onto the lady, there's uh, thousands, if not uh, millions of uh, zera. Only one of the uh, zera is able to fertilize the the egg. Now, out of all the zera, the Bishmael is going to say the most potent or the most healthy, that zera was the one that impregnated his mother. Now, in the zera itself... When it uh, uh, fertilizes the egg, there's a part of the zera that is the choice. So he's going to say that out of all the zera, the one which was the, let's say, winnowed or sifted or selected, that was the one that went in. And, and that one itself, the choicest part of it, fertilized the egg. And therefore, I was able to come out like I came out. So he's going to explain it. So the word zered would refer to the zera. Rabbi Abu brought a contradiction in Pesukim by David Amelech. One Pesuk says, V'tazreni hayil lamilhama. V'tazreni sounds like coming from the word Zoreh. Zoreh is to winnow. Winnow is like when you're selecting, you're separating you know, the good from the bad and the chair from the, uh, from the wheat. We have another pasuk that David Amalek says, Le'ezor is to gird, like when a person puts on a, a belt. So, you girded me with strength when I went out to war. So the Gemara is asking, what time it says, without an aleph. Another time it says, with an aleph. Amar David the Ziretani Vizerastani Meaning you winnowed me, meaning the the Zera that I conceived from was winnowed, meaning it was selected. I got the best one, the Zerastani, and it was selected again. Which is it was a double selecting. And then even when the best one was chosen from that part, the best was fertilized. So David Amalek was referring to that as well. So that's what the Bishma was saying. He's saying, all 
only Zera of the other people they could see. But the one that my mother could see from, that was Ole Alagag. That was on the roof, meaning that was the, the best and most choice one. And that's why he says he came out like he did. Let's just read Rashi. You see, Rashi says, it's not from the whole tipa even. It's from the choice of that tipa. Okay, Fine. Comes the Gemara continues. Amru Alav Rabbi Ishmael ben Kimhit. They said a story about Rabbi Ishmael ben Kimhit the Kohen Gadol. Bamachat siper devarim im Arabi echad beshuk. One day he had a conversation with a certain Arab in the marketplace. The Rishonim learned that this was actually talking about that she says Yom Kippurim. In the middle of the day, the service, it seemed he needed to speak to this Arab. Some say the Arab was either the king or the Moshel or the, the, uh, the dictator at the time. And therefore he needed to go uh, speak to him. Obviously something was something that was very important. Uh, obviously the Kohen Gadot would not leave the Beit HaMikdash on Kippur to talk to an Arab unless it was uh, very, very important. So when he went to talk to him, when the Arab was talking, a piece of saliva came out of the Arab and went on the garments of Rabbi Ishmael. Now the Hachami made a gezerah that the saliva of a goy is metameh, if you carry it. And therefore, since it was on his garment, it was considered he was carrying it. So therefore, now he became tameh. So he was not able to serve the rest of the day of Kippur. So his brother, Yashbab, who was also a Kohen, he was the Sigan that day, so he came in and filled his brother's position. Okay. So Kimhit, the mother, she had a Zichut, she was able to see two of her sons serve as Kohanim Gedolim on the same day. I tell another story about Rabbi Yishma ben Kimhit. Tamachat yasa v'siper im adon echad bashuk. Yeah, another case on Kippur, he had to leave the service in order to talk to a certain adon, a certain master, a certain ruler on Kippur in the marketplace. And again, the guy uh, spat on the rabbi, uh, of course in the conversation, some saliva went out on the rabbi's garments, on the Kohen's garments, I should say. And this time, Yosef, another brother, came in and filled his position as the Kohen Gadol. Again, his mother was able to see two Kohanim serve uh, on the same day. The, uh, it seems over here from the Me'idi. The Me'idi says over here, from the way it's Masmayad, the episode, it says, Mm-hmm. He's done his own one story that Yashbeb, the second brother, he also had to go out and talk to the Igman, and he also got Pasul, and the third son went in, so she saw three Kohanim serve on the same day. And see, that was his uh, Girsa. In any event, um, the Mefar Shimdu Esquartosfotrid says, according to our Girsa, how come Yashbab didn't take over like he took over the first year? Why did Yosef uh, take over? So he comes along and says, either Yeshtomar, Met, either you say that in the interim uh, Yashbab died, or you can just say that they gave uh, chances for the other Kohanim also to get a, uh, a chance to serve. So now the Gemara wants to analyze how, what zikhut did this lady Kimhit have that we know at least she had three sons Kohanim Gedolim. The Gemara is going to actually tell us she had seven sons that were all Kohanim Gedolim. What zikhut did she have? Tanur Abbanan, Shiva'at, Banin, Hayula, Likimhit. Seven sons were born to this lady called Kimhit. Bechulan, Shimshu, Bekehuna, Gedola. And they all served in the capacity of Kohanim Gedolim. Amru Lachachamim, so Lachachamim said, Ma'asit, what did you do? Shazachit lekach, that you merited this. Amradahem, Miyamai, Lorau, Korot, Beti, Kalre, Se'ari. She said that the walls of my house, or the beams of my house, never saw the braids 
of my hair. Which means she was very modest in the law of covering her hair. That means even though from the Torah law a lady is not allowed to go out in public with her hair uncovered. And the Gemara Berachot says, Se'ar be'isha erva. A married lady. And even in the chaser, even in the courtyard, which means of the private grounds outside, the custom is to be ma'mir. However, in the house, which means when there's nobody around, there the halakha says the lady is allowed to go around without her hair covered. But Kimhit was very, very modest. That even in the house where nobody was around, where she was allowed to go there uncovered, she still acted in an extra measure of sini'ut. She says that that's the reason Bani Alam paid her back because of her modesty, specifically in the covering of the hair, that it affected the Yirat Shamayim and the uh, level of religiosity of her children. Kabbalah says, There's already mean a lot of ladies did this. And it did not uh, did not work for them. So the Shorim come out and say that must be she had a different zikhut with this. And both zikhuyot, uh, specifically zikhut of the modesty that she had, afforded her a uh, seven kohanim gedolim. Comes the Gemara and continues. We have a brayta. Bekumso. Now we talk about the law of the minha. Regular minha, not on Kippur necessarily. The law is that the Kohen, when he has the flower in front of him, he has to take what's called a Kometz. Kometz, we're going to see exactly what it is, but it's a certain method of scooping up the flower. And of course, he puts that on the Mizbayah. That's what Kometz is, what, what Haktara is to a Korban, Kometz is to the Minha. Is that you take that piece and you put it on the mizbah. The rest of the minha is called shirayim. It's leftovers, and that's eaten by the kohanim. So now the Gemara says, says that he takes what's called a kometz. From here you learn that you don't make a measure for the kometz, meaning the kohen actually has to scoop it up with his hands. See, you might have argued and said, well, why don't you just get a, get a keli that has, let's say, a, a certain shi'ud in it, and you know that that's the amount of flour of a standard kometz. Maybe when it says the Torah says you have to scoop up, it means that, for argument's sake, let's say it's uh, 30 grams. So just make a keli that has 30 grams of, uh, you know, a volume, and that's the you'll use. Kibbutz says, no, you cannot use a keli. It says bekumso. Because it actually means with his fingers, he has to actually scoop it up. You don't make a measuring cup for the comets. Good? Ibaiyelu, the has a question. What about making a measuring cup for the hafina? Hafina is for Kippur. Where we said he takes his uh, palms, right, he scoops up the ketoret. So figure out what the coin's hands are. They're big or small, whatever it is, and uh, make a, a cup that would fit the exact shiur and just uh, put it in the cup. Do we say the same law that just like by the kemisa, he has to be with his actual hands, do we say the same thing by hafina? So the Gemara says, Ibaidu, Maushi Asim Mida la hafina. Gemara says, Gemara is going to give us the sides. Hatamu dikhti bekumso. By the comets, it says the word Bekumso, it teaches us with his hands. It doesn't say over here with his, with his palms. It doesn't say Ela Melochofnav Ketoret Samim Daka. Melochofnav, which means that has to be the Shi'ur of his palms filled. But it doesn't say he has to actually do it with his palms. I can argue with you that what? That a measuring cup would be okay, right? It says melochofna. The spawns are filled, but it doesn't say the hafan melochof. It does not say bechofna um, uh, with his with his hands. So Gemara says, "Oh, 
Odilma, or maybe I'll tell you, Yalif Melo Melo Mekumso. Or maybe I'll make a Gezerah Shava. It says by the comets, the word Melo Kumso, the word Melo, full comets. It says by Hafina Melo Hofnav. So if I make a Gezerah Shava and say, just like the comets cannot be using a measuring cup, so too by the Hafina you cannot use a measuring So those are the two sides. Kemara says, Tashema. I'll bring you a proof. Bekach haita middata. Our Mishnah. If you remember, it said, Kohen Gadol's hands are big, Agadol lefi godlo, Vakatan lefi kotno, whether his hands are small. Then the Mishnah threw in three extra words. Bekach haita middata. And this was the measurement. So the Gemara wants to understand, you know what it means? Bekach haita middata. He takes out the word Ahirin. Which means those words in the Mishnah are coming to say, which means measure the Kohen's hands. Whatever his hands are, get a vessel. That's the shi'ud of his hands. That's the, uh, the shi'ud of the cup. So we have an answer to our question. Again, the question the Gemara was, by, by, by comets, I know you can't use a measuring cup. Because it says, Bekumso, it has to be with his hands. Oh, what about Hafina? It doesn't say, Bekhofnav, with his hands. So the Gemara says, yeah, well, maybe you make a Gizra Shavah. Maybe you say, Melo, Melo, and whatever is of my comets, is by Hafina. Gemara says, I'll prove it to you from the Mishnah. The Mishnah with the extra words, Vekachim Data, is much better than it tell me what? That that is the shi'ud, that all the Torah cares about is the shi'ud, the, uh, the, the amount, and even if you take it in a cup. So the Gebra says, who told you? Lo, I could argue and say no. Hachi ka'amar. Vekachaya chozer vechofne lefnim. What the Mishnah was saying, Vekachi middata, was trying to say like this. This same shi'ud, he re... Uh, uh, cups it up with his hands again in the Kodesh Kodashim. Meaning the price would be like this. He has the Mahta filled with Ketoret. So the first time outside the Kodesh Kodashim, he scoops up with his hands, right? he pours it into the kaf, into the ladle. Now he walks in with the ladle and the uh, Mahta into the Kodesh Kodashim. Now it's telling you that he has to again, from the ladle this time, scoop up. Scoop up a second time from the ladle, the ketor, and put it on the mahta. So the one says, Vekachim Middata, it's just telling you, and that's the same shi'ur that he has to take during the second hafina, which is with every pour into the uh, kaf the first time, right? So uh, he has to take it out the second time. So therefore, it's just telling you, Vekachim Middata, again. When they placed it the first time, it was, he, was, he was taking a hafina from where? From the mahta. He goes to the Kodesh Kodashim, and now it's in a ladle. How's he going to get it from the ladle into the... Uh, he doesn't pour it in straight. That's what the Gebra is coming to tell you. Yes, again he pours it into his hands again, and that's the shiur. Comes the... Look at Rashi. No, hachi ka'amar. He actually pours it into his. Yeah, he pours it. He takes the spoon and he pours it into the palms of his hands. But the point is, that's the same shi'ud that he put in the first time. He has to have it in his hands the second time. So comes Gevarad says, oh, that's what the Mishnah means? Shmap minad, and I have a proof positive over here. Hofen v'chozer v'chofen. Later on, there's a machloket if he has to make the hafina twice. If you're learning the Mishnah like you're saying now, we have a proof positive like the opinion that says, indeed, the hafina was done two times. But you don't have a proof that from our Mishnah about the measuring cup. Comes the says, no, who told you? Dilma, mida, I can argue the other way. Maybe the Mishnah is coming to tell me, measuring cup. So therefore, nothing is conclusive. Which is, if you're going to tell me it's coming to teach me measuring cup, I can argue, you know, maybe it's coming and tell me, do the hafina twice. And if you want to tell me it's proving the hafina twice, maybe it's a measuring cup. So therefore, nothing is conclusive. You can always push it to either side. Iname, I, give you, I can give you a third interpretation of Amishnah. Shelo yasar v'shelo yotir. 
Meaning when the Mishnah says, Hakatan lefi kotno, vagadol lefi godlo, bekachi middata, it's coming to tell me, this is the shi'ud of the hafina, no more, no less. Right. Meaning, you don't take a, 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 a heaping uh, amount of ketoret, you know, that's above, more than his hands, and you don't do less. The Mishnah is going out of its way, it says, it's got to be mitzumtzam, it has to be exact. So comes out, you have it's one of three interpretations to our Mishnah. And therefore, nothing's conclusive. Kachimidata could mean measuring cup. It could mean Kachimidata, that's the same shield that you do on the second Hafina. Or Kachimidata, that the Hafina has to be exact. No more and no less. But the point is, this is left in a safek, this question. Which means we have no proof either way. Yes, by comets, you can't use a measuring cup. But by hafina, it depends, and I'm going, I'm speaking this out clearly because it's going to come up later with the Gemara again. It depends if you make the Gizra Sheva or not. Which is, if you make the Gizra Sheva, Melo Melo, whatever comets is, hafina is. If you don't make the Gizra Sheva, Melo Melo, then it doesn't apply. Then you would be able to use a measuring cup. Okay, now we go to the next point. Now the Gemara says, Tarurabanan, we have a brighter. Melo kumso. Yeah, we're talking about the comets of the minha. Yachol mevurats. What I think, even if it overflows, which means when he scoops up the ketoret, which or not the ketoret, the minha, the flower, which we'll see how he does it in a moment. But when he scoops it up, if let's say it's overflowing, right? It's sticking out of his hands. That's called mevurats. Does that stuff that's overflowing also have a dean of? Uh, comets. So Gemara says, Tamud Omar Bekumso. Bekumso means only the comets. There's no overflow. Means only the comets itself, what's in between his fingers, means when he scoops up, that's considered. But but the word Bekumso limits. Right. Okay? So comes Gemara says, If you're limiting, mm-hmm. Maybe you don't even have to scoop with all your fingers. Which is, we're going to see the way they would do it is they would take their three middle fingers. Right? And they would put it in the flour, let's say, and they would, you know, scoop it up like this. They would scoop it up in such a fashion where they were, they were going, uh, um, you know, like to close them up and take them as much flour as they can. So I would have thought maybe, if she's a big saw, maybe just go to the tips of the fingertips. Maybe you don't have to go all the way down the length of the fingers, just maybe just take a little dab on the top of the finger to speak kumso, it's limiting. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. Meaning even the, the tips of his fingers, Hence the word melo means the full shi'ur of his fingers. Like normal people make comets. What's that? Haketzad. He puts the three fingers over his palm. He puts the three fingers over his palm and he's comets. If you want to see a picture of that, if you look in your books, picture number uh, 94, right? You see over here, the guy has his... The way it is, he has the side of his hand down in the uh, flower itself, and he cups his three fingers, not his thumb and his pinky, the three middle fingers, and he just scoops, he goes down and scoops across and takes the length of his whole fingers. Okay, that's the Gemara's way of saying, Kemitsa. Comes the Gemara and says, Now, there are other menachot, that are uh, fried in a flat pan, that's a mahabat, or they're fried in a marheshet, that's a deep pan. The difference is minhat mahabat is minhat marheshet. Now, after they fry it, they cut it up into pieces, and the Kohen now has to make kemitza from the pieces. Okay, it's not flour in this case. Now, it's a little more difficult in this case, because when he's going to make the kemitza, there's usually going to be little pieces that are going to stick out from the sides. Hard. Yeah, because it's hard. It's like a piece of, piece of matzah, like, you know? So therefore, it's going to stick out from the uh, sides, meaning protruding from his forefinger and protruding from the mm-hmm. third finger, oh, right? Yeah. So the Gebarah says, what does he do to get rid of the protrusions? Because those protrusions are not part of the uh, comets. So the Gebarah says, mahabat, Whereas, as opposed to flour, for example, flour just falls by itself. 
You don't have to worry about the flower that's on the two sides. It'll just fall by itself. But here it's a solid piece. So the Gemara says, On top he takes his thumb and he smooths it out in order to get rid of the extra piece there. And with his pinky on the bottom, he just uh, scrapes off any residual uh, pieces that are sticking out. Gemara says, And this was the hardest service in the Beit HaMikdash. Why? Because you have to be careful only to scrape off what's out. But you cannot scrape off anything that's in. Which is if you do it a little hard, maybe a little drop of the stuff that's inside the fingers will come out. Hey, that's comments. You can't, you can't get rid of that. So you have to be very careful only to scrape off the part that's outside. The Gebarah says that took a lot of expertise. That was one of the hardest services in the Beit HaMikdash. So the Gebarah says, Zuhi Vetula. Well, this is one of the hardest services and nothing else. Ve'aika Milika. Milika was... The Kohen on the bird offerings, how would he slaughter the birds? With his thumb. He had a long nail, they'd have to slaughter it. Now why was Milika so difficult? Two explanations. The simple explanation, which the Shonim learned, which is Harambam understands, he had to hold the bird with one hand. This was all done with one hand. So you're holding it in the same hand that you have to make shaita with your thumb. So that took a lot of uh, expertise. Second explanation with the Tosafot says, it seemed the thumb had to penetrate all the way to the, uh, to the bone, the back of the neck of the, of the bird. So therefore, it was very difficult and painful even for the Kohen to thrust his nail all the way to hit the back bone of the uh, bird. In any event, that was also a difficult uh, service. And the what do you mean? Ve'aika hafina. As well as the Hafina, which we're going to learn later on in the Gemara, the Gemara is going to tell us in the Kodesh Kodashim, it was a very difficult process to get the Ketoret from the Kaf into the Mahta, as the Gemara will explain. So the Gemara's question is, hey, you're telling me that the, um, uh, the, uh, this process of you know, cleaning the Kibitzah, that's protruding, that's the hardest service. What do you mean? You had other hard services. And you had Milika, you had Hafina. This is from the difficult services in the Megdash. Not to say this was exclusively the hard service, but there were other hard services as well. Amar Abu Hanan. Ba'ir Abu Yoshua ben Uzza'ah. Ben Abbenaim shel Malekum so Mahu. Okay, back to the comments. Kohen's making the comments, right? The flower that's between his fingers. Between his fingers. The Gemara will explain exactly what we mean between his fingers, but the Gemara wants to know, is that considered comets? Now, if it's comets, it goes on the Mizbayah. Or is it considered Shirayim? Shirayim is non-comets. It goes back in the bowl, and the Kohen can eat it. So the Gemara says, Amar Papa, Degavai Lotiv'ilach Devadai Kometsu. The stuff that's outside the fingers, right, on top of his, let's say, fingers, the stuff that's protruding out, I'm sorry, the first opinion says the gavai, what's inside his fingers, certainly. What's inside his fingers, I mean, what's in his hands, that's protruding outside his fingers, from the inside, but that comments, of course it's comments, it's on the inside. The barai, the stuff that's outside protruding, so what's the question then of the rabbi? In between the fingers themselves, not protruding out and not protruding in. So when you make, take flour with your hands, right? There is going to be some residual that's going to be in between the fingers themselves. So the Gemara wants which way does it go? Is it go to the comets on the inside, or go to the shirayim hmm. on the outside? So the Gemara says, "My, that was the question of Rabbi uh, Yoshua ben Uzza." So Amar Rabbi Hanan Adar Pashta. After he answered Yoshua ben Uzza, he said, "Ben Abenaim Safek Ninu." It's actually a Safek. That was his answer, which means. It can go either way. Oh, so hechi abid. So what do you do with it? Amar bi Hanina, maktir komets lehudet tehila. 
first you bring the regular comets on the Mizbeah. Ve'adar bin Abbenayim. Then you bring the stuff that's bin Abbenayim between the fingers. Why? Di'yamad bin Abbenayim bereshah. Because if you're going to bring the bin Abbenayim first, dilma shirayim ninu. Maybe it's shirayim. So what? Well, ve'avlu shirayim shechasru bin kemitzah lehaktara. It's going to be shirayim that is lacking between the kemitzah and the haktara. Meaning, when you make the kemitzah, and you put it on the Mizbeach, for the comets to be valid, the shirayim has to be fully intact. I say again, let's say at the time that you bring the comets, a piece of the shirayim blew away. So now the shirayim is not fully intact. The comets is not valid. At the sh'ah of the kemitzah and the haktarah, Whatever was left over must remain 100% intact. And therefore we have a problem over here. Why? Because if this bin the benayim over here, in between the fingers, is considered shirayim, and you're going to burn that first, now already, when you're going to bring the real comets, you're lacking shirayim. So therefore there's no option to do the benayim first. Like the Gabbara says, V'amar mor, shirayim shehasru, ben kemitzah la'aktara, the clear uh, statement that if the shirayim is missing, uh, after you make the comets, uh, you cannot make the haktara. Uh, it's uh, considered uh, a problem. So comes the Gibran says, the Gibran says, if that's the case, here also with your method, which was the Gemara's method, let him bring the comets first, and then bring the, uh, safek item, maybe it's shirayim, maybe it's not, let him bring it after. Come on, that's not an option. Why? Iklikan, it's gonna be called over here, kol shimimenu laishim, harehu bebal taktiru. Another cloud. I'll give you the cloud that I'm gonna read the words inside. You have a kurban. Once you bring the part of the Qurban that's supposed to go on the Mizbayah, you're not allowed to burn anything else after it. Which means, other parts of the Qurban, it's Isur, Bal Taktiru. Apply it to this case over here. Once you bring the comets, that's the part of the uh, Minha that goes on the Mizbayah. After that, you're not allowed to bring anything else. Which means, if you put the Shirayim now on the Mizbayah, it's Isur from the Torah, Lot Taktiru. So therefore, the Qibran is saying, the option that you gave... Is also not an option. So again, kol shemimenu laishim. Anything that part of the korban went on the ishim, the fire, the leftovers that are not supposed to go on the mizbayah is bataktiru. Now we're not talking about, let's say you had a korban olah and you put half of the stuff on the mizbayah. The other stuff you forgot to put on, of course you put it on. That belongs on the mizbayah. We're talking about a korban, let's say that part of it goes on the mizbayah, part of it you eat. So the part that you're supposed to eat, you put it on the Mizbeah afterwards, it's Yisuna Torah. Once you put the part that belongs on the Mizbeah, you cannot put any other part on the Mizbeah. In this case over here, you have the comets. No problem, that belongs on the Mizbeah. And then you're going to put the stuff in a benayim, right, between the fingers. If it's ketoret, I mean, sorry, if it's comets, no problem. You're putting the rest of the comets on the Mizbeah. Problem is maybe it's uh, shirayim. Once it's shirayim, it's Yisur. So the Gemara says... Comes again what Ad says. I just want to give you the the source for this halacha because the Rishonim do give you a source and it's uh, important to know. The pasuk says ki chol seor vechol devash lo taktiru mimenu ishe ladonai. So the Gemara says in a different place that the word mimenu in that pasuk is extra. Because it could just say, So the Gebra says, because of that extra word, it's as if the Tzvassuk is telling you two things. Number one, And that is coming to tell you another issue. Which means, do not bring a part of the Korban, after it was brought. So that's where you learn the Isur of this. In any event, the Gebra gives an answer. I'm out of Yehuda. Bered Rabbi Shmuel Ben Pazi. Demaktir le leshum etzim. Do it like we said. Put the comets. Right? And then put the 
the uh, the safek stuff. Actually, according to this, you could put it even together, but you'll make it tenai. You'll say the comets is the comets, and if there's stuff that's between the fingers is comets, let it be comets. If it's not comets, let it be considered wood. Let it be considered fuel. Meaning, I'm not bringing it as a I'm not bringing it as a korban. I'm bringing it as fuel. Where do you see this concept that when you have stuff that's in sefik, you can make a condition that you'll bring it as fuel? So Gebrah's going to be in the Aizr. Like Rabbi the Aizr, Shita. Letanya, Rabbi the Aizr, Omer. Lereyach nihoach i'ata ma'aleh, avalata ma'aleh leshum aizim. You can't bring it as a korban, but you can bring it for fuel. His case was, Rashi will tell us when we read it inside, was a case where let's say I had an olah, and a guy had hatat together. Hatat, part of it goes on the Mizbayah, part of it goes to the Kohanim to eat. The part that goes to the Kohanim to eat got mixed up with the bones and the limbs of the Ola. Now they know what to do. So the Bidi'ez's opinion is put it all on the Mizbayah and make a condition. Whatever part is Ola, good, that's the Qurban. And whatever part of this is Khatat, that'll be the fuel. That'll be considered fuel. So therefore, just like he allowed... Now again, the reason why he allows it over there is because so long as you don't bring it to Shem Qurban, that's where you get the Isur. The Ola is a problem. But if you bring it uh, for wood, it's okay. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Can it be the Aizir? See Rashi, can it be the Aizir? De Palig Bemasechet Zevachim. Be'ebre Hatat Shen Shiraim. You have the limbs of the Hatat and the Shiraim, and they belong to the Kohen now to eat. Be'ahar Shuk Teru Emurim. Right? The meat of the Hatat was brought already. So now whatever's left over of the Hatat is called Shiraim. Venit Arebu Ebre Hatat Be'ebre Ola. It got mixed up with the limbs of the Ola. She'en Kalil. The Ola goes all on the Mizbayah. Rabbi Yezur Amir Yitena Kol Le'ma'ala. Put everything on the Mizbayah. Veru'e Aniyit Besara Qatat Le'ma'ala Kilu Eni Aitzim. Right? And I'll consider that the Qatat is considered wood. Ve'alif Ta'amam Aikera Ve'la Mizbayah Lo Ya'alu Batre Da'aikera Lo Taktiru Menu Ketim. Which is after the Pasuk where I learned the Isur Lo Taktiru it says there, Lo Taktiru as a Korban. But if it's not for a Quran, it's okay. So then we're back to our question. Gemara said, well, the bena benayim in between the fingers, what do you do with it? Gemara saying we have an answer. Put it all on the Mizbayah. Simultaneously, follow to be the Ezra's method of making a tenai. If it's, if it's comments, it's comments. If it's not comments, it's considered wood. And therefore, you're okay. Gemara's hani chal to be the Ezra. That answer is going to be the Ezra. El Rabbanan, ma'ika lememar. The rabbis over there argue. They say this option of Aitzin is not valid. So according to them, what are you going to do? So the Gemara says, Amar of Mori, The only option for the rabbis is, you have to get a fat Kohen that has fat fingers, where there's no space in between his fingers. I mean, if he has plump fingers, when he does the Kibitzah, so therefore his fingers are going to be, uh, you know, uh, tight against each other, and therefore we have no uh, no problem, which is, you're right, the rabbis have to t- t- alleviate this problem. And the only way to alleviate this problem is, make sure the Kohen does not get any of this uh, minha in between his fingers. So comes again what says, Hashtag once you're giving this option of the plump fingers, the bidi'ayaz in the milk and ta'ila that comes to shemineh, even according to the bidi'ayaz in the ta'ila, that's what you should do. Which is the bidi'ayaz that gave this option of making a condition, that's only bidi'avad. In his case, with the bones of the khatat, got mixed with the bones of the ola, then you have to make a condition. But the ta'ila, if you could have avert the problem according to the Bidi'ezer of course you should avert the problem so even the Bidi'ezer will tell you you should use the Kohen that has these plump fingers now all the Harim asked the, uh, a lot of obvious questions one question is well, you're telling me now that uh, the Kohen Gadolan Kippur but he has to have now uh, you have to use a fat Kohen that has uh, plump fingers and it'll tell you have a Kohen that's a skinny guy you, you can't use him so that's a that's a big still. So there was comments on of of of, of the korbanot of kippur as well. So what do you tell me now? now only that type of coin is good. So some of the mafarshim you want to say now, nah, if you had a coin in such a case, you tell him to make sure to put his fingers tightly against each other in order that you would not have a problem of. So that's the two options really. Either get the coin with the plum fingers, or if he, he puts his fingers tight, we got to make sure that it doesn't happen. papa. <laughs> The papa is a question. Ben abenaim shel melo chofnav mahu. 
The Gemara wants to, you just told me by the comets that the stuff that's between his fingers, we have said it's sefik. We don't know if it's considered comets or it's considered shirayim. So the Gemara says, okay, now let's go to Kippur. When the Kohen lifts the, for the, for his hands, right? He takes his palm, two palmfuls of ketoret. So the stuff between his fingers also. What about uh, the Kohen on Kippur? Are you consider it ketoret or you consider it shirayim of the ketoret? So comes the Gemara and says, my What's Rav Papa's question? Which means the Gemara is going to say like this. Rav Papa, your question was asked already in a different way. Above on the Amud, you show we had a question, could you use a measuring cup or not? By the Hafina. By the comments we said for sure you cannot use a measuring cup because it says Bekum So. But we asked, by the Hafina can you use a measuring cup? So the Gemara said it depends if you learn learning Gizera Shabbat. Because it says by the Hafina Melochofnav, and it says by the Kemitzah Melochum So. So, your question should depend on whether you learn the Gizera Shabbat or not. Which means, if you learn the Gizera so whatever we said by comets, we say by Hafina. And just like comets between the fingers is a Zafik, so it'll be a Zafik by Hafina. If you don't learn, then I'll tell you, it's okay, it's all considered Ketoret. So therefore, those are the two sides. If you learn the Gizera Shabbat, you have to be Mahmir. And you as a safek. If you don't learn the Gizrat Shabbat, I can be lenient and so, or lenient, however you want to look at it. I could kill it, I, all, I consider everything even between his fingers, ketoret. So comes the Gemara and says, Igemar melo melo mehatam. If you can learn the Gizrat Shabbat, melo melo. Hainuach. That's the. I mean, the papa, what, what, what question are you asking? The question the Chaurah is hinging on a question that uh, we had above. Look at Rashi. That she says, "I gemar melo melo, ma komitz birutso eno niktar." Which is just like we learned above, that the comments, the stuff that protrudes out. Forget about in between the fingers. There's two questions here. Birutz is the stuff that protrudes out. We said it's not considered comments. Af hafina birutzim pesulim. So to whatever protrudes out, let's say of the hafina would be considered not ketore. Which means hainuach. We asked that question by the measuring cup. It's the same reason. Even the regular, the stuff on the outside, yeah. Which means, if you're learning the Gezerah Shabbat, so then already, whatever applies to comets, applies to hafina. So already by comets we said, birutz, the stuff that protrudes out is non-comets. So you question the papa, you're saying, oh, what about the stuff that protrudes out? And for that matter, also the stuff between the fingers. But the point is, the papa, we know that answer. Answer the first question, do you learn the Gizrat Shabbat? And you'll know the answer to your question. So the Gemara is going to say like this. The papa is going to say like this. I'm going to tell you, even if you don't learn the Gezerah Shabbat, this is what I'm saying, even if you don't learn the Gezerah Shabbat, I have a logic to say that the protrusion still should be considered ketoret by the hafina. Which means you wanted it, you're asking on me, well, it, should, it should depend on whether you learn the Gezerah Shabbat or not. I mean, if you learn the Gezerah Shabbat, then the protrusion is nothing. So you as long as it's not, I'm going to tell you, even with I repeat, even without learning the Gezerah Shabbat, the protrusion is nothing. You want to tell me that my question depends if you learn the Gezerah Shabbat or not. I'm going to tell you, I have a question, even without the Gezerah Shabbat, is the side to say that I'm not worried about the protrusions of the Hafina. Why? So he says, What does it say by the Hafina? Fill up your palms. Bring it. It doesn't tell you that you have to have kavana, which part to bring. Whatever you scoop up, you scoop up. If it's protruding, if it's between your fingers, maybe. Did you bring it? You brought it. That's all the Torah says. Whatever you can bring, you bring. So that's a side to say, it is ketoret. Also by the hafina uses the word velakah. Now velakah implies what? Intentionally. You have to take. Now when the guy's making hafina. His kavanah to take what's in his palms. 
He's not having kavanah for the stuff that's protruding outside. So therefore he's giving a new item now. He's telling you, leave me gezerah shava. I want to know, is it vehevi, which would be anything, or do you go with the word velakah? Now, that she points vehaveka, and you don't have that. Tiku. Kavanah is not in a tiku. Now, the Gemara above knew that it says the word Velakah by the Beloch But still it had a question, could you use a measuring cup? Now see, Velakah means you should take with your hands. What was the question? So that she says, no, from a Sikh the word Velakah can be used also with a cup. I mean, Velakah doesn't only mean, right, with your hands. Velakah can mean, So the word Velakah doesn't impact my sefik of measuring cup. But the word Velakah will impact my Sheila over here on the stuff that's protruding out. So I explain again. The Gevara's question was, I know my comets, Beirut, is nothing. I mean, the, the protrusion stuff doesn't count. Oh, what about uh, by the Hafina? Hey, the papa, whatever we say, Mike, if you learn the Gizra Shava, then it doesn't mean anything. If you don't learn the Gizra Shava, then it, then it is Ketor. What's your question? And I'm telling you, even without the Gizra Shava, it's Safik. What's your Safik? Do I go with the word Vehevi? That means whatever you bring. I don't care if the stuff's out and it's all considered Ketor. Or do I go with the word Velakah? Velakah is Mashma with that. And with that, only the stuff that I bring in, the stuff that's protruding out, the guy, the coins, Kavanah's not on that, therefore would not be considered Ketor. The Gemara says, Tiku. Now the Gemara answers a few more questions regarding the hafina of the ketoret. First question. First question is as follows: Amara Papa, peshita le obvious to me. Melo kumso when the Torah says the full comets kedekamse inche, like the normal people that kemitzah, like we saw in picture number ninety-four. Right where they put their the uh, the side of their hand flush into the uh, flower and they scoop their three fingers together and they draw it up. That's pashut. Question number one he has was like this: papa kamatz mau. If he did it with the tops of his fingers, meaning he put his palm down. In the flower, his palm is down, his, the top of his hand is facing up, and he scooped from top to bottom, which means the tips of his fingers did the scooping in that direction. That's called Kamaz Berasheh, it's Be'otab. Not to be like we learned above. Above where we said that Sheh is Be'otab, it was ultimately the, the, the little part of his fingers. That, that already we said for sure is no good. That's even Melokum so. Here it's Melok, you're doing a full, a full scoop. It's a different item. Above was just to give it a water. Maybe you should take a little uh, drop of ketoret on the uh, tips of his fingers. That's those four points out over here clearly. In any event, that's his first question. So this would be considered again, the way that she says it, pas yado lemata, his palm is face down, v'tachav it's be'otav, he thrusted his fingers besolet, v'kamatz komets shalem, you took a full komets, ad shemile kol orech pas yado. All five fingers? No, all three. All, all three, the same, the, same, uh, the same thing, the same in yan, three. Now, next question. The next question is, Milemata lemalamahu. That is where he puts his hand, uh, palm up, back of his hand down into the flower, and with his three fingers he goes up. He scoops it up. Okay? Going the other way. That would be picture number 96. Okay, that's considered Milemata Right, he put gav yad lemata down, right? The, the, the back of his hand is down in the flower. Good. Next question. Minasdadin mahu. Minasdadin. Rashi explains again. You put your hand palm up, uh, back of the hand down into the flower. Straight down, and you just pre- with pressure, you pressured your hands down so the flower uh, fell into your hands. Again, you pressure, you pull, you put, pull, you uh, press your hands down into the flower, and the flower automatically goes in. That she's not shown is kilomar. That's not the derech of kemitzah. Gav yadol lemata. 
You didn't thrust your fingers at all into the solid in this case. He put pressure down. It just goes through his fingers. Right? On all these questions, the Gemara says, Tiku. Amar, means we have to wait for the Yawanavi. Last questions. Uh, now we go to the Hafina. This was all by Kibitza. We're going to ask the same exact questions now by Hafina. Amar, When we say Milohofnav, it's the normal way people make Hafina. You look at picture 98, that she tells you how that's done. Which means you put the, the, the edges of your hands down into the into the uh, so into the ketoret and you cup them up together. That's the normal way. Now the Gemara goes through the questions. Which means he went by like picture number uh, ninety nine, right? His palms down, cupping with his fingers, right? With his palm into the ketoret itself. That would be one question. Now the next question would be Same thing where his palms are up and he goes the other way. He's been lifting it up. The next question would be minatsad mau, meaning he stuck his hands and he just pressed them down into the ketoret, and the ketoret seeped through his fingers, and then kafan bezu ubezu the zu etzil zumau, which means he he did them separately, meaning he did one cup one hand and then another cup, and then he put them together. Normally hafina is done together. You put your two hands together and you. You draw it up. Here, as you see in picture number 102, he did it separately. Right? One in and one in. Then he put them together. So Kabsi Gebaran says, and all those things, Tiku. These questions also are left for the Yawn Abi to answer.